total clarity sake, rejection happens and we feel rejection when somebody spurns something that we believe is valuable. It's the offering of something which we perceive to be valuable from our own perspective and it's rejected, it's spurned, it's thrown in the dust, it's turned away from, it's scorned, it's walked away from. Something like love. We offer a person our love and they don't want it. We feel rejected. We offer our talent. You know, we've been practicing our talent for years and, and we think we're a pretty hot guitarist and we come along to the worship leader. This would never happen in this church, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and we say, um, look, yeah, look, uh, look, I can play. And he says, you're very nice for you. I'm sure your mother's proud. <laughs> and, and rejects. Or wisdom. You know, we feel we've got something that we really want to help somebody with. And we pray about it and we come along and say, you know what, I just have this, this wisdom for you. And they say, yeah, sure. And they reject it. Worst of all, it happens mostly when we open up our very selves to people. We let them catch a glimpse of who we really are. Of our fears, of our hopes, of our aspirations, of our desires, of our our core values, and they walk away from that. They kind of give us a strange look and think, gosh, I didn't know that that was who you are. I don't like that. And from that comes the most deeper sense of rejection. Pat and I have been watching a, a British series on TV. It's called Long Lost Family. I don't know if you've watched that. And that, we've been watching the American equivalent too called The Locator. Same sort of stuff, only with lots of bling attached. It's all about people who in adult life are trying to seek their biological parents normally. Sometimes it's brother or sister, etc. Normally it's a grown person who at an early age, as an as a early child or a baby, or a bit later, was given up for adoption. And it's very interesting. They're totally factual cases. They interview the people, they follow their lives and so on. Now, a couple of things that really strike us about this is very, very, very few of those folk who are seeking their parents, normally their mothers, by the way, sometimes fathers, but normally the mothers, they don't feel angry. They don't feel judgmental. They don't want to go and say to their parents, gosh, you know, you did a bad thing by giving me up. They just want to know why. Why did you do that? Was I not worth it? Was I not important enough for you? Why did I reject you? Sorry, why did you reject me? Another interesting fact is when they eventually find the mothers, they have this incredible sense of healing and release because they hear from the mother, no, I didn't reject you. I, I could do no other. It was in your absolute best interests. I was unable to care for you. And suddenly this rejection melts away. But their lives are often blighted because they've suffered under the misconception that the one who gave them life has rejected them. Lovely things to watch these stories because they, they invariably have a wonderfully happy and touching ending. Sometimes it happens later in life. And we can receive quite deep-seated rejections later in life, as I get older, as you know, Jonathan says, he's in his 50s, as I am, but 
Yeah. From the perspective of the 50s, as Jonathan notes, I look back and, and, and I see how incidents in my own life which had rejection attached to them, powerfully negative effects and negative forces in what happened after that. I'll give you one, an example. Um, so in grade six, I was at a school in Cape Town, Rondebosch High, and my family were transferred. My dad was transferred to Port Elizabeth. So suddenly it was announced, we're sending you to boarding school to do, you know, from grade seven onwards. And I was packed off to Kingswood College in Grahamstown. Now, I didn't know it was because they couldn't get me in at short notice into Gray High in Port Elizabeth. It wasn't explained adequately, or it just sailed past me. So for two years, I felt the most bitterest rejection. Why did they pack me off? I'd come back for a school holiday and find that there wasn't even a bedroom for me. I had to have a little fold-down bed in the hall, you know, because there wasn't enough room in the, in the flat that they had occupied and so on. It ended up, after two years, with me running away from boarding school. I went on the loose. I, I hitchhiked into Port Elizabeth and the cops were after me. No, I don't have a record. <laughs> and eventually I was found, lost, but then I was found, and sent straight back for six of the best. <laughs> yeah, we have to deal with the consequences of our, our actions. But if I look back again, I can see that that was a profoundly negative experience. Because I went in as a kind of a normal 12-year-old or whatever I was at the time. I came out as an absolute rebel. It just made the difference. And it was rejection which was at the very heart of it. They can happen even later in life. As adults, we can have profoundly traumatic rejection experiences. The, the husband, and this is true by the way, I know at least one case... The husband who rejects and divorces his wife because she cannot bear children. Absolute rejection. The wife who divorces, rejects her husband because he's not enough fun or he's not earning enough money. And yes, that happens with alarming regularity. Powerfully negative effects of our lives. Of course, Jesus was the prime example, wasn't he? As this passage says, he was rejected by men. Wherever he went, he was just rejected. He was rejected by his own people. He's still rejected by the majority of human beings on this planet. And I want to say something that only dropped into my spirit sitting here on Friday morning in the prayer meeting. So I want to pass it on to you. It was the realization that he is also rejected Deeply rejected. Every time a person comes and becomes involved in churchianity, starts coming to church or reads the odd verse in the Bible and offers up prayers from time to time, but rejects a relationship with him. When people turn to a form of religion and reject him as a person, that is a deep rejection. So he's not one who did not suffer in all things. As we do. And he certainly suffered from rejection in that sense. Now before I speak about how we can invert rejection. How we can put it on, turn it around. I want to give you some interesting facts about it. Now I pulled these out from a man called Dr. Guy Winch. Who earned a PhD in clinical psychology. So I'm presuming 
that these are accurate facts. But they make sense to me, so I'll pass them on to you. First of all, our brains respond almost exactly the same to physical pain as they do to emotional pain. The same areas of the brain lights up on the instrumentation. Our brains respond in the same way. They can't differentiate between the two. However, when we relive social pain like rejection, in other words, we, we think about it, we experience again the same pain. Whereas when we think about a physical injury, we don't. The physical injury, once that pain has left the body, it's left the body. But when we, every time we think about deep rejection, we hurt. Just like we did when it first happened to us. So words like heartbroken and heartache are real. And most of us, if not all of us, have experienced that. There's a deep pain that's real. That's associated with things like rejection. Secondly, it isolates us from others. It particularly isolates us from the people who we believe have rejected us. We don't want to mix with them. We don't want to see them. We don't want to be in their company. Why? Because we don't want to experience that pain again. That's why. Because when we see them or we talk to them, we remember again that they've rejected us. Something about us which is precious to us. Something about our very sense of worth. So it isolates us. It can also lead us to anger and aggression. You see, the human being has got two responses to threat. One's flight, another one is fight. And, and when we isolate ourselves, we are fleeing from them. But the other response is to fight. So we become aggressive towards people. Sometimes we just become aggressive generally because we suffer from rejection. Rejection leads us to excessive introspection. We start to find fault with ourselves at every level. Our minds start to play the strangest dialogues in our heads. Oh, you rubbish. Why do you do that? Oh, you fool. There you go again. And we have this internal dialogue. And even worse, we start to tell other people. We start to say things like, well, of course, that's just me. Of course, nobody else would respond like that. I'm just like that, you know. Deeply destructive habits that emerge out of us. Ultimately, rejection can demolish our sense of worth and our sense of significance in this world. Ultimately, it can lead to the most profound rejection, even total psychological breakdown. Several years ago, I was asked by a fellow minister friend of mine to go and speak to a man who was really battling. I met him in a, a restaurant for a cup of coffee. We sat down and we spoke. He was so medicated that he was almost inarticulate. He was speaking so fast. And he was really quite jittery from all this medication. But his story starts to emerge. And what had happened was that he was a senior executive at a company. And he was absolutely sure that he was going to be the next one who would get the top spot, the managing director, the chief executive officer. And 
the boss was leaving, everybody knew he was leaving, and they were all waiting for his success, and he was convinced he was going to get it. And they brought a man in from overseas for the job. It was an overseas-based company. He felt so utterly rejected that he spiraled uncontrollably into total nervous breakdown. That's the ultimate that can actually happen from these powerful feelings. Let me just give you some surprising facts. I think think what I've told you now is most of us probably understand that and know that already. But rejection temporarily lowers our IQ, our short-term memory, and our decision-making ability. When we relive, when we think again about our emotional pain, we become stupid. That's why we make bad decisions when we like that. When we're emotionally upset from something like rejection, we make rotten decisions. And feelings of rejection, by the way, don't respond well to reason. Don't try and tell a person who is suffering from this, oh, snap out of it. Put on your big boy pants. It's not going to work. Because it doesn't respond at a, a logical and a reasoned level. Worst of all, rejection can often be supposed and not even actual. We just think people are rejecting us, but they're not really. In preparation for this message, I was doing some research on the internet, and I was looking at some TED Talks. You know TED Talks? They're, they're pretty good. And here was this young Chinese man who was in the sales area and suffered badly from rejection. Well, a salesman really has to overcome rejection, right? <laughs> Otherwise, he or she can't be a salesman. So he realized he had a problem. So he, he devised this sort of, I think he called it the 100-day program. He said, I'm going to go and subject myself to rejection every day. I'll create opportunities to be rejected. And then I'll desensitize myself to rejection that way. That was his theory. And he was recounting some of the ways. And one of them was this. He goes along with a a potted plant. See? And he goes and he knocks on a stranger's door. The man comes to the door and he says, Do you mind if I plant this lovely flower in your yard? You know, he kind of reckons he's going to get rejected. And the man says, no. And then he thinks, I want to try something new this time. After all, this is an experiment. So he says, do you mind telling me why? And the man says, yes, I've got a dog. It just digs up everything. He'll dig up your plant in five minutes. Go across the road to that lady over there. She loves her garden. She, he goes across the road. She says, yes, please, takes the plant and plants it in her garden. No, the man was not rejecting him. The man had a good reason for saying he could plant the flower in his garden. And that's often the case. But you know, fortunately, whether rejection is supposed or actual, God has an antidote for it. He has three little anti-rejection pills. And they all come in the container of this verse, 1 Peter 2 verses 4 to 10. Here they are. First pull. We need to develop a biblical understanding of our true identity in Christ Jesus. We need to know who we are. Because our value does not depend on whether somebody else values it. It depends on, does God value us? 
You know, he's supposed to be the root of our whole existence, our whole life, our whole faith, our whole hope for the future. It's what he thinks about us that matters, not what somebody else thinks about us or what we can offer, our talent or our wisdom or our knowledge or our love or whatever it is. Verses 4 and 5 of this text that I read to you. Come to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by the people, but he is precious to God. Might be rejected, but you are precious to God, who chose him. And now God is building you as living stones. The connection is so obvious. Peter is saying, yeah, Jesus was rejected, yet he's the cornerstone of the building. And now you are being built into that same. By implication, you're not rejected by God, but you are rejected by men. In fact, our Christian faith is probably the most rejected commodity in this world at the moment. People don't want it. God is building you as living stones into his spiritual temple. And what's more, you are God's holy priests. You are God's holy priests. Priests who offer up praise and worship, who mediate between men and God, who show people the way into the inner place, life with Jesus in abundance. You are God's holy priests who offer the spiritual sacrifices that please him because of Jesus Christ. We add to that 1 John 3 verse 1. See how very much your heavenly father loves us, for he has allowed us to be called his children, and we really are. You know, one of the profound wonders of the Christian faith is that we are not hirelings of the Lord. We are not servants in that sense of the Lord. We are sons and daughters who serve. But our identity is children of God called to serve him and others. We are children of God. It's stated over and over and over and over again in the scriptures. But guys, remember this. Rejection doesn't respond well to reason. It doesn't respond well to just reading that and saying, well, you're sure, that's true. It responds to experiential input. So when we worship again just now in song, let me, let me invite you, if, if you know that rejection is a problem in your life, and you'll know if it is, then, then won't you please, as we worship, see yourself in the presence of God. See him there before you. Walk into his presence. Hear his words saying, Ah, come. Welcome, my child. Welcome, my son. Welcome, my daughter. Feel his hand on your shoulder or on the side of your face. Know at a deeper level than just reading the words that you really are his child. Entitled to walk into his very presence and to receive his love and his acceptance. The second antidote <clears throat> is that we need to forgive those who have rejected us. 
We just, we just must. We're not going to be free of rejection until we will willingly and in a real sense forgive those who have rejected us. Jesus was rejected by the people. He was the stone the builders rejected. But how did he respond to this? Luke 23 verse 34. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. His response to the ultimate rejection was, Father, forgive them, please. You know, I think most times people don't really realize that they are rejecting. They're so messed up themselves. They're so locked up in their own priorities. They're so unaware of other people's feelings. And they probably have absolutely no idea of the devastation that they're doing to you. Forgive them. Would you not forgive a small child for rejecting you? We got two and a half year old and a five year old granddaughter. Sometimes they're very accepting, sometimes they just reject you. They're kids. You know, I mean, and as, as grandparents, we're not going to say, all right, that's it. Say to my son, never bring them here again. Of course not, that's insane. Why then do we hold against people who, in their own mentalities, are no better than that? They don't really understand what they're doing. What did Jesus teach us? When you stand praying, like now, this morning, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Mark eleven twenty five. Going back to our text again in 1 Peter 2, verses 8 and 9. Repeat again. Here's the stone that makes people stumble. The rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not listen to God's word or obey it. And so they meet the faith that has been planned for them. But you are not like that. You're not like that. We children of God are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are a kingdom of priests. You are God's holy nation. His very own possession. This is so you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. How can we be an unforgiving children of God? And the world looks and says, "Uh uh-huh. Walk in the light, do they? No, we are the children of God, therefore... We must demonstrate God's goodness by the way we approach other people. We must forgive for our own sakes and for the testimony of who we are in Christ Jesus. By the way, something I've learned from three decades of pastoral ministry, not always a good idea to tell somebody you forgive them unless they have asked you. You know, it it sounds so strange when I'm more than one occasion, several occasions, I've had... Well, look, pastors offend people, you see. You know, we stand here and we say offensive things. My favorite expression is, I'm going to tread on toes and I'm totally unapologetic. If it's the word that's treading on the toes. But it happens. And so I've had people come up to me over the years and they, they will come up to me after a service. Don't even try it after this one. I, 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 I will know you're pulling my leg. And they walk up to me in great earnestness and they say, Chris, I just want to tell you I forgive you. What? <laughs> what for? I was feeling wonderful before that. Suddenly I feel like a worm. 
What have I done? Shame poor person. And they sort of nod sadly, put a hand on my shoulder and walk off. Go back. What are you forgiving me for? It happens in, in close relationships too. You know, we harbor this unforgiveness. We harbor this rejection. And we pluck up the cage. We go to our spouse. It's normally our spouse, right? It's normally the husband, let's be honest. And, and the wife says, I just want to tell you I do forgive you. You know, and, and all sorts of hell breaks loose because he has no concept at all that he could have possibly done anything wrong, let alone caused such intense feelings. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I'm not just the only person here. That <laughs> you know what I think helps sometimes? You know, do something symbolic. It actually helps sometimes. It actually helps sometimes to take a piece of paper. The computers don't work too well on this. Use a pen. And write out. Dear husband, <laughs> I forgive you for this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and that. And write it all out. And then quietly go out into the bottom of the garden and take a box of matches with you, or a gas lighter. And just light it, hold it. And offer it to God and say, Lord, it's gone. Like this smoke is disappearing, it's yours, it's gone. Let the ash fall to the ground. It's done. That often helps us. We, human beings, we, we respond to symbols. They, they sometimes touch a level in us which is not logical, but real. Whatever it is, please do something about it today. If you are suffering from rejection... Do something about it today. Today. The third antidote. We need to receive God's mercy so that the wound in our soul can be healed. And it is very wounding. Rejection does leave terrible scars. Receive his mercy and his healing today. 1 Peter 2.10 Once you were not a people, now. You are the people of God. Once you received none of God's mercy, now you have received his mercy. It's yours. Healing is a tremendous expression of God's mercy. When he reaches out and says, you've lived with that pain long enough, now go. And it melts away from your innermost places. Let me read to you from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16, which is a wonderful example of receiving God's mercy. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize, he does, with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Come to him and say, Lord, I choose to forgive. I realize who I am in you. But that's not going to solve the wound. I understand. I choose to do. 
Now please heal my soul. Heal that part that, that doesn't respond well to the logic of my mind. Reach out your finger and touch that sore place. And heal me please, Lord. And we're going to make space for that in our worship time in a few moments. Space for you to deal with these things. Space for you to come and receive prayer. Space for you to turn to somebody next to you if you want to. And just say, please pray with me. See, emotional pain like rejection is every bit as real as physical pain. It really is. And it usually lasts a lot longer. And it can be crippling. Unless we deal with it. Rejection is very common. We all experience it at one time or other. But it can be unexpectedly severe. And it can lead to depression. And it can lead to total breakdown ultimately as I illustrated. So if you are suffering then please just don't accept it any longer. Now don't walk out and say yeah you know I suppose that's true you know. And yeah it's been a problem for me but but what the hang life goes on, it is what it is, one of my favorite expressions. No, it doesn't have to be what it is. Stop now, today. As we worship, come to God, receive his truth, receive his acceptance and receive his healing. Realize again today that you are a son or a daughter of the living God. Forgive those who have rejected you and receive his healing.